this episode. And we thought, well, rather than just tell one story about that topic, hey, we've got this employee who's been working their heart out. The manager. Like a lovely note Do you guys get it? Yeah, oh, I didn't get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just rewarding the behaviours you want to see more of. Mm. Yeah, and just on the time the meeting was started, he took a chair and he jammed it up against the door handle. Holy smoke, don't be late. What do they say, you know, if you buy into something, it's as, just as easy to sell out of it? Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan. And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. And Sean, I don't know whether you checked your email inbox yet today, but uh, we just got our monthly uh, social media report. And uh, I just noticed that the the paper we wrote late last year, the uh, uh, corporate storytelling paper, oh, yeah. the, the guide to becoming a story-powered organization is uh, one of the most downloaded things from our website. So people oh, are getting a lot of... Lot of, uh, a lot of uh, value from that. So uh, it's there on our website. It's just a, just a guide to the many different ways you can use story in organizations to get better business results. So if you're interested, that's uh, another thing that you can do. Uh, there's also a bunch of stories in there that you can add into your, uh, into your story bank. Yeah, good one. Good one. And, that, you know, it's a, it is interesting how we're sort of hearing from organizations that are trying to tackle a whole range of different things using narrative techniques. So this is a bit of a guide, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, we were chatting earlier uh, today about reward and recognition. And, and then we thought, well, rather than just tell one story about that topic, maybe in this episode, we can tell three or four and give you a couple of a few more stories to put into your story bank and have them as illustrations on different ways in which you could uh, behave and operate uh, to reinforce certain things in your business. Right? And it kind of, I think the conversation started because I was, I'm doing a, a strategy story. Mike and I are actually doing a strategy story at the moment. And we're working very closely with the CEO of this large, very technical engineering sort of organization, global business. And the head of HR came to the CEO and said, hey, we've got this employee who's been working their heart out, right? 16-hour days over uh, the last couple of months, you know, just absolutely just pouring everything into it. And we'd like to give him the CEO. We'd like to award him the CEO's award. And the CEO thought about it for a moment and he said, well... You know, it's great that he's doing, you know, hard work, et cetera, but I don't want to reward that hero behavior because it's getting us, it's developing a culture in our organization that we need to shift. We need to reward people who are doing things which are uh, coming up with new ways and faster ways to reuse things and to uh, improve processes and innovative new ways of doing things that we've done in an old and clunky way in the past. And as soon as I heard that, I thought, okay, there's a guy who really understands his role as, you know, culture nudger in chief, if you like. Um, and I thought that was uh, the first story that uh, popped up. Yeah, what do you I, reckon? I love that. You hear that? I, well, I, 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 I love that because the whole purpose of reward and recognition is to encourage behaviours that are productive. And 
uh, when his strategy is to try and make his company uh, uh, efficient and more productive, then rewarding somebody for working 16-hour days, kind of, you're giving people a reward for doing the behavior you don't want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His whole, I mean, as I understand it, his whole idea is we've got to stop that because we, we have to have more systems and processes so that we don't have people working there. Exactly. off like that. Exactly, exactly. I have to say, though, the CEO did make a point of saying that, you know, he went and had a chat personally with that person and, and thanked him for the good work that he did, but he didn't want the whole company to think that's what gets rewarded around here, that's what gets noticed. Um. And I, I remember, you know, if you want to, I always like to ask, you know, how do you get in an organization? If you want to get at the culture, you just have to know, how do you get ahead around here? Mm. Right? And so he was just making that little nudge to change, you know, the overarching story about how do you get ahead around here? Uh, so that was good. Yeah, that's a that's such a cool question. Does that man. remind you of uh, that story? Remind you of any other sort of reward and recognition stories, Mark, that uh, you've come across? Yeah, it, it, it immediately triggers one when uh, years ago we were working with uh, a, a technology company here in, in Australia and uh, one of the leaders was getting really frustrated about people turning up late for meetings. And of course, and one of the things was that there was a sales culture and people could always go, oh, no, it's client, it's client facing stuff, right? And so... Uh, it, it was trumped okay. everything, did it? Yeah, it trumped everything. And uh, she was going, wow, you know, like, do I send the note saying, oh, you know, I'm really disappointed and da-da-da. Uh, anyway, what she decided to do was that uh, she chose to send an email to the one person who consistently turned up on time. And in that email, she just said, thank you so much for always being punctual. And she in the, the email said how much she valued that. Right, right, okay. And and did nothing else, but noticed over the next few weeks that more and more people were turning up on time and eventually. So presumably someone must have said something about it, right? Because it doesn't happen by, you know, sort of invisible, you know, sort of uh, connections in some way. Someone, the lady who got it or the person who got that email must have somewhere said, Oh, I had a lovely uh, note from the manager. A lovely note. Did you guys from Mary. get it? Did you guys yeah. get it? You know, it was about me, you know, turning up on time, and oh god, I felt great. Yeah. Oh, so. I didn't get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, like a, a beautiful uh, choice about using uh, re just rewarding the behaviours you want to see more of. Mm. Yeah. It's that bright spot uh, concept, yeah. isn't it? Find the bright spots and try to work out ways where you can do more of it. It's also the uh, tactic for any child from about uh, you know eighteen months to you know the you know four or five. It's reinforce the good things, yeah, reward <laughs> the behaviours you want to see more of. Yeah, I tell you what though, that uh, story reminds me of um, the opposite, opposite sort of uh, situation. Uh, this one happened at um, NAB, you know, one of the big five banks here in Australia. And I was there when we were doing a lot of work at their academy. Uh, and, and so I got to hear lots of stories from bankers. And one of the stories was how uh, when Cameron Clyde, who was a CEO probably about 10 years ago now, um, when he came in, he was very annoyed by the uh, poor you know, sort of timing for people coming to me. Everyone was at least five minutes late or, or later. 
And they talked about this idea of NAB time. You know, everyone was on this slightly different schedule. And he didn't like that at all. And he did mention it to people. He wanted people on time, but they seemed to ignore that. So in his executive meeting, uh, let's say the meeting had to start at 2 o'clock, he was there at, you know, 2 o'clock. He had a few of the other colleagues around the table ready to go. And just on the time the meeting was start, he took a chair and he jammed it up against the door handle to more or less block the opening of the of the meeting room door. And it was a glass uh, meeting room, so everyone could see in and he could see out. And so as the executives came toward the door, he would just put his hand up and say, no, sorry, you're out. You're out of the conversation. You're late. We're not going to have late meetings. And so they had to put their tail between their legs and disappear. Now, that story, of course, just went like wildfire around the organisation. Um, but it's sort of an example of what people do. I, I don't know if I would recommend it. I kind of, my, my personal, uh, I guess, approach would be more the, 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 the bright spot uh, method, but it just shows you what you can do if you've got power, right? Yeah. I think yeah. That's, that's and that was, that was heavily, heavily reliant on his power. Um, no, and, doubt. And he, he, no, doubt. You know, no doubt he triggered new behaviours. Right, he triggered a new story being told, which is "Holy smoke, don't be late." Yeah, yeah, no, the, and the people in the training courses we're doing were mentioning just how they saw that change ripple through that organisation around this concept of NAB time. People started to, uh, you know, turn up and and be accounted for when the meeting was supposed to be started. Yeah, I think a lot, I've seen a lot of organisations actually start to build room into their into their day so that you weren't allowed to have a meeting that went from hour to hour, you know, finished right on the hour because there's no way you could make it to the next meeting. So there was, they're now getting a little smarter, I suppose. I mean, these organisations where they're doing back-to-back -back meetings, it must be an absolute killer. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, it, it, it really doesn't matter whether it's 60 minutes or 50 minutes. But if you say it's 50 minutes and you end at the 50 minute, then it just gives people time to go to the bathroom, to make a coffee, to fill up their water bottle. Yeah. And, and, and turn up on time for the next meeting. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, find, find, I mean, in the old days, it was, you know, like you got to walk through the building to the next meeting room. These days, you got to find the Zoom link and go, oh, am I in the right Zoom link? But, uh, yeah, all that stuff takes time. And, um, yeah, it's good. Good little practice. So these little stories, I guess, you know, the reason why Mark and I wanted to share them with you is so that, you know, you're in a conversation and, you know, you're talking to some leaders about how can we motivate people to do, you know, sort of turn up on time in meetings or, you know, sort of, you know, the sort of things that we're talking about, how do we reward certain behaviours? Um, you can share these stories, right, as your examples. Just get those stories out as a, as a way to make your point. Yeah. Now, that... that reminds me of another negative story oh, yeah. um, about yeah. reward and recognition and, and about how badly it can go wrong. And I mean, Alfie Cohn wrote that great book, Punished by Rewards, about oh, yes. the way that ex, that extrinsic reward can lead to really bad behaviour. And I mean, we saw that in Australia with the Royal Commission around banking, where people were being rewarded for selling insurance policies and things, and they would do all sorts of unethical, unethical things because that's how they got rewarded. Yeah. Anyway, um, the uh, the example that uh, they reminded me of was a, was a, a, again this technology company in Sydney where they had this great idea that when people did cool things, then they would just give all the managers a bunch of movie tickets. And when people you know kind of went above and beyond, they 
Here's, here's a couple of, you know, take your wife to the movies. Okay. Great idea. Right up to the point where the, the manager said, hey, could you go down in the, down to the data um, uh, data and, and talk to them because that's your job? And they went, sure. And they put out their hand. Put out their hand. Where's my movie ticket? Yeah, where's my movie tickets? Ah. And, and then people got really upset because they didn't get the movie ticket. And so the reward actually, yeah, it created many, many more problems. Yes, yeah, because um, it's an explicit reward, right? It, it's exactly. A, it's a you do that, and I will get this type right, reward. Yeah. Yeah. And what do they say? You know, if you buy into something, it's as just as easy to sell out of it. You know, and I think that's what they, you know, they're buying into this behavior because you know here is the literal transaction that we're going to take, and yeah, yeah, pull that yeah. away, and people get very upset. Yeah, yeah, well, so. Um, but but here's a different example, right? And this yeah. is one that uh, that uh, uh, Francis Mock, one of our partners in uh, in Hong Kong, shared, and kind of goes to show there's a there's a, a different way. And uh, he had been uh, very very senior executive in an engineering company. He's an engineer by um, by by trade, and he left his you know big powerful and you know, position at a big corporate to go and join a training company. And he turned up for his first day at this training company and he on his desk, he finds uh, an envelope and a small box. And in the small box was a, a limited edition Lame pen and a note. And the note, uh, I'm going to read this out because he, uh, the note read, welcome to Jepsum, Francis. I'm sorry I can't be here to welcome you on your first day because I'm traveling in Europe. I look forward to meeting you soon. I hope you have a wonderful journey with us. And it was signed H.G. Jepson, who was the owner of the company. Now, so I was on a Zoom call with Francis when he told me that. He had a tear in his eye when he told me that. And this happened like 15 years ago. And he said, don't know where the pen is, still got the note. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's great. It's those small things that make such a difference, right? But, but at the same time, you can't scale it up. You know, you shouldn't try. Like, you shouldn't say to all your managers in your company, "Okay, when you have new employees uh, arrive, please provide them with a Lamy pen um, with this type of note." Oh, by the way, here's the um, here's the, the text. Here's the text. Just fill in the names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because once it becomes a process, then it's no longer. You know, no. it doesn't have that. It doesn't problem. mean anything, does it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's it's the little things that are individuals. And I mean that that story about the note, man. How many I mean, how many times have we heard stories that similar to that? Yeah, you know, variations yeah. Of that, but very very similar. Yeah. And it's not the object that they remember; it's the thank you note, yes. or the welcome note, or the. That's right. Because yeah. it, that has meaning for them. Yeah, there's some yeah. care being put there. Yep. No, that's that's really good. I think that's a good place for us to finish, Mark. This was just an opportunity for us to share some of these stories and uh, hopefully you'll be able to pop them into your story bank and, and have at least four or five you know, different reward and recognition stories. And we would love to hear any ones that pop to mind for you. As you can see, Mark and I, as we start to share these, just other stories just pop into our heads and... And we're hoping that's the sort of habit you're starting to build as well as a as a listener to anecdotally speaking. Um, but yeah, pop, share with us, pop in the the comments or send us a, an email. We'd love to hear 
any stories about reward and rec- recognition. Yeah, times um, when it worked and times when it hasn't. Yeah, that's right. You know, times when it hasn't. It's always funny. funny. <laughs> well, rememberable, I should say. Yeah, um, lessons, stories. Yeah. Before we go, though, there's one thing that's happening right at the moment I want everyone to, to know about. Um, and it's sort of not right down the normal things that we do in Anecdote, but we have started this new program, which we're calling the School Story Lab. It's for schools at any level. Um, and we're currently running our first cohort right as we speak. And uh, people from anywhere in the world can participate in this, these programs. It's all online. Um, it's a virtual delivery. And we're helping schools craft and tell their school story, right? Their school strategy story. And taking them through a, you know, a four-part uh, approach where each two hours we help and it's real we call it a lab because it's really practical it's just them working together to to build their story trying it out adding moments adding anti-stories you know all the good things that we talk about at anecdote and and done in a way that's all focused on schools so if you know of a school who would would really benefit from that um we've tried to keep the price you know as low as we can so schools can participate in this um, yeah, please send them our way. You'll sort of find we're taking on the next cohort in May right at the moment. So you'll find that on our website. And, and uh, I just want to just want to take the way this came about is, well, I guess there's firstly one thing, which was that um, the way teachers have stepped up in the COVID world and just like it's been amazing. Yeah. But it came from a conversation that we had, uh, I don't know, a year ago uh, or so uh, with an educational um, leader from an educational institution. And this lady was saying that we're talking about story. And she said that all school leaders need to be able to tell the stories of the school to bring their communities along with them. Yeah. And that was kind of, oh, so, yeah, because if we can equip schools with these skills, they can be even more effective at doing what is an incredibly uh, job that's fundamental to our society. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, maybe this is part of that a bigger program that we're really trying to get happening around the world, which is, you know, fixing this problem of how business communicators, you know, stand and, and deliver their messages, which is in a way that's hard to get your head around. And we reckon sharing a few stories might actually help. So anyway, that's all we have for you today. Um, we'd really look forward to hearing any ideas and thoughts you have. And yeah, of course, thanks again for, for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. And tune in next week for, what is it, Mark? Our 100th episode. 100th episode. Another episode, the 100th episode of how to put your stories to work. Indeed. See you then. Anecdotally speaking, was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.